Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Today we are talking about Dwell with Dignity, their website, dwellwithdignity.org. I have two representatives in studio to help me figure out what this organization does, who they are, who they help. They were recommended by Sarah Craig of Peaches. Up first, their founder and board chair, Lisa Robinson. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much for joining me. All right. So uh, I always work on recommendation. That's how I find good groups, good people. It's a quality control thing. Sarah Craig had really good things to say about you guys and what you do, and it is a a unique endeavor, at least as far as I know. What does this organization do? What is Dwell With Dignity? Absolutely. Well, Dwell With Dignity is an organization that I founded in 2009, and our mission is to help families escape poverty and homelessness through design, and we do that one household at a time. I saw it on the website, which, once again, dwellwithdignity.org. The word design is plastered all over that website. It's all over the place. And when you think about helping families and homelessness, I don't ever think of the word design. You guys have a unique approach to helping people, and it seems to be through design. Absolutely. So if you really think about it, um, your environment has the opportunity to really impact your life in ways that you really don't think about. You take for granted So your environment actually informs your life, and it reflects your life. And Dwell with Dignity is our opportunity to inform an environment for a family who may not have had that kind of experience in their life. How did you find this approach? What made you want to work in this area in this way? Well, I'm an interior designer by trade. Check. (laughs) Yes, there's that design. It'd be weird if you weren't somehow in that sector and decided to uh, design homes. So That's that, right. that and, works out really well. You know, I've always had a passion for your environment and how it can inform and, and, and reflect your lifestyle and what you're capable of. And that's always been part of my personal design. I think that there are people that are good at this, and then there's basically everybody else. They don't even think really uh, about it. For those that see the world in that way, there's a lot more going on than just throw pillows in the color of curtains, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there is that overall feeling that you have when you walk into a space that has been designed specifically for you or for your family. But more than that, there's a 
function to the design. If you don't have a dining table and you sit on the floor with your kids at dinner, how does that make you feel, right? If you go to bed on a blow-up mattress every night on a carpet and your homework is stacked up on the side of your bed, how does that make you feel as a child? You have nowhere to uh, read a book with your mom experience family life together in a positive environment that makes you feel good. Those are things that we all take for granted. And those things can help both the privileged clientele and someone who's never had anything like that before live their best lives. So in 2009, I had taken the prior 10 years off from professional design to raise my kids. And when my child was in kindergarten, I knew I had to do something creative. And that design, that design bug just had me. And, but I didn't particularly want to go back to working with the privileged clientele I had worked with before. Why not? Well, for one reason, the last project I had worked on was a $22 million French chateau in Preston Hollow. And it was demanding. And it took a lot of time. And it took a lot of energy at night. You know, 6 o'clock meetings with... Uh, people who had very important jobs who were only there at certain times. And I thought, I still have two small children. I really don't want to devote my nighttime to clients. Is it that there is so much space to cover in a $22 million home? Or is it the people that own a $22 million home are that much more demanding? It's both. It's both. It's absolutely both. <laughs> and I don't even know where I would draw that line. Um, but And it's enjoyable both ways. But, you know, after a while, too, you start seeing how maybe, you know, that one piece of furniture that didn't come in perfect, that ruined everybody's week, maybe that wasn't so important. Yeah. Maybe there's another way, you know, to take what, what I thought of as my talents and my um, creativity. Maybe there was a way to take that to something that benefited people in another way. And I was actually inspired by seeing a lecture at SMU of the president of Habitat for Humanity. And I thought, oh, I could do interiors for Habitat. Well, it turns out Habitat's got, they've got it figured out. And Mm. they really want to concentrate on the build itself. And plugging into that organization wasn't necessarily going to be an easy feat for me. So I thought, well, why don't I do this on my own? What's keeping me from doing this myself? And it was a, a big birthday of mine. And my husband kept asking me, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for your birthday? And I thought, you know, I'd really like the nest egg to start a nonprofit where I could mm. actually bring people together and bring all the waste that is in the design community together to benefit people and help to transform their lives when they need it most. So that's kind of how Dwell with Dignity started. He gave me that birthday present and you know that was enough for us to do about four projects and that was the start of it okay so you actually dipped into your own money to get this organization started that's how motivated you were is that how i understand it yes and as we started to do this and could see i mean the very first woman and child who we did an apartment for i'll never forget She walked in, and she put her hand to her chest, and she said, I can breathe in here. Wow. And I thought I was hooked. You know, just the ability to take some stress out of her life and have her look around and see it was going to be okay. Everything was going to be okay. I thought, well, 
we need to help more people and we can't fund it ourselves. So we grew into the idea that we were going to have to turn this into a public charity where we received our funding from the public and we were able to help more families. And so we went from helping four families the first year to we move in an entire family every other week now with Dwell with Dignity. Really? Yeah. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Are the uh, I'm trying to figure out where to go because I want to learn about the renovations, but I'm still interested in kind of how you got this, this started. Did you at any point before this happened, did you foresee yourself in the nonprofit sector? Was no. this is this kind of a surprise to you that you're here now? Yes, absolutely. I think it kind of took on a life of its own. And people ask me all the time, "How did you know what to do next?" And I didn't know. I, I had no idea what to do next. It just seemed very natural. Where the next thing is, we need to have warehouse space. Where are we going to put all of the items that people want to give us? And the next step has to be, how are we going to manage all the volunteers who want to help us do this? And so it just naturally formed into really what it is today after we put a lot of parameters and um, concepts together and how we were going to do this in a way that was replicable mm. and uh, that we would and scalable. You're going way beyond just the basics. I, you know, there are f- furniture bank. There are things like furniture banks and stuff like that, where if you move into a space and you don't have a table, you get a table. You don't have a chair, you get a chair. This is going way beyond that. When you were starting, was there ever an idea of just giving people the basics of what they need, or was it always going to be the idea of design? It was always going to be the idea of design because we have the expertise and the talent amongst our designers and our supporters to create an environment that's absolutely life-changing. And just putting a new sofa in a home is not going to change your life. Mm-hmm. But we install a complete project like we would for a a design client really we go in and we talk to the family we say what are your favorite colors what if you have a child do you you know if it's a boy do you like sports or do you like science or do you like books or do you you know if you're a little girl do you are you into princess or are you more you know totally not into that well we're not going to put a pink bedroom in for you so very specific in meeting the family's needs and then creating a space where we can help them to thrive. Families that we help come from agencies that already have programs in place to help these families who are transitioning out of a homelessness or poverty type situation into self-sufficiency. So these agencies may be Genesis Women's Shelter, Interfaith Housing Coalition, New Friends, New Life, under one roof, all of these nonprofits who have clear programs in place with accountability-based uh, areas of expertise, like how to manage your finances, how to increase your life skills, how to make dinner, you know, mm. all these things that people might need help with. At Genesis Women's Shelter, um, they have an or- a place where you can stay until you can get back on, on your feet. So oftentimes our families, when they come out of that situation, they have first and last month's rent, they have a job, they're ready to go out on their own for the very first time, and all they really have as far as resources go is enough to have a few blow-up mattresses. It seems like it's almost the, it's not going to be, but almost the last step in their journey into a more, let's call it normal 
living situation where you have, like you're saying, first and last month's rent. They have the backing of these organizations. They have their job. They know where their future is going to go, but it is going to take a while to get there. You guys come in, design things so they can be nice and comfortable and feel good. They can breathe when they get home, and then they're able to start their journey. That's right. And we provide, we're very specific about what we provide as well. So we provide all of the cleaning supplies that this family is going to need so that when we leave, they can maintain this space. And a vacuum cleaner, bedding for all of the beds in the home so all the children have their own beds. And there's an extra set of sheets so that when mom is doing the laundry, she has another set of sheets to put on. In the kitchen, we provide everything from the coffee maker and the toaster. And we had a story about a little boy's cousin who came over, and he looked around the kitchen and said, you have a toaster. I'm going to go get my bread and bring it over. It's amazing what, you know, these little things can do when put all together and create this wholeness that a family can experience. And they can, that night we, we provide everything they need in their kitchen. Also, we fill up their pantry. We fill up their refrigerator. We make their first night's meal for them. And so that very first night that they're staying in their new home is often a time of wonderment. And I talk to the moms about, what do you think it's going to be like when you tuck your children into bed at night? Are you in contact with the families that you help afterwards? Because that, to me, would be something that I would need. I would need that if I worked for this organization. I'd want to make sure that these people really are as comfortable as they should be and that it has helped push them into a much better environment. I mean, for a lot of them, I got to imagine it's the first time that they've been able to truly be comfortable or even calm uh, in a really long time. Yes. And that's what you're giving them. Yes. And we do, we keep up with our families and we interview them and do surveys at six months and annually after Mm -hmm. that. And actually just a few weeks after they move in. And what we find is Someone who has experienced a dwell with dignity home is more likely to become stable. So if they if you have a few mattresses and you can maybe save a couple hundred dollars in rent, you might pick up your kids and move across town for that opportunity. Probably not knowing or understanding that every time you move your children to a new school, they're going to lose about six months. So what we find is when they have a complete home environment where they're coming home after school and doing their homework, at the kitchen table or at a desk. They're getting a good night's sleep. Mom is reading them books on the sofa. All of these things promote a stability and they don't want to pick up and leave. So we're increasing their ability to create a home life for their family that's going to hopefully work for generations. That's our hope. Lisa Robison is the founder and board chair of Dwell with Dignity, their website, dwellwithdignity.org. Talk to me about the size of the homes that you're dealing with. Are you doing each and every room? Are they only getting certain rooms? How does this process work? It's a complete entire project for the entire entire home. Absolutely. And most of the projects that we are doing are apartments. Okay. However... We do have some homes. In fact, our next home uh, project that we're doing, we're moving in a mom and three children, and that's going to be in Mesquite in a home. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're, we're expanding to home. Is it about, uh, what, two bedrooms? 
typically two to three bedrooms, typically two to four children. For the families that you're dealing with, you, you mentioned that you are consulting them on what they want and what will work for them. I got to imagine this is a new process for them, and it's got to be great. It's got to be exciting, and it's got to make them feel really good. Absolutely. They, in fact, it's kind of hard to pull the information out of them mm-hmm. because they're just not they, – right. they can't imagine just in a million years once they walk into that space what it's going to be like. And being there to witness that is really an incredible, tear-jerking, emotional time for everybody who's there. Because it, we, we always come in over any kind of expectation. It's got to be amazing going from living in a shelter with young kids to having an expert ask you what type of colors you enjoy for your living room. Right. I mean, of all the crazy things that a life could have in it that is something that I mean that's definitely something that a person is not going to forget and I and I love the idea of this being something that I never would think about it almost at first glance you think how necessary is that why would they do it this way the more you talk about it the more it becomes very clear that this has a huge impact on the parents and of course on the kids it's it's doing a lot more than you would initially think Absolutely. And we always bring it back to that mom because the reason, you know, this isn't a lottery. This isn't the, oh, you just got lucky and drew the number. These moms have been working so hard to get over the trauma that they've experienced, Mm. perhaps the poverty that they've been living in. And they've had to make some really difficult choices for their families in order to go through the agencies that we work with and then come out on the other side of that and then have the determination and the grit to move on beyond that. So the way we find our families is being nominated by their caseworkers at these agencies. And they understand what kind of family wants to take this to the next level? And those are the families they connect us with. The people that are making the referrals obviously understand what's going on and what's in store for them. Do the people that you are giving this service to, do they really understand what they're in for when they get this? Most of the time, I would say no. They may know someone else at the agency and have heard stories, or maybe they looked us up online. Okay. But... They're always completely overwhelmed by the personalization, I think, as well, of, of the space that they have. The process is a lot quicker than you would think. You have a bunch of professionals working on this. They're working in—that's how they know how to do their job. That's what they do. They find this stuff. They get it done quick. They install it quick so these families don't have to wait around too long for their brand-new amazing home. They're able to get in relatively quick. That's right. And we have an interior designer on staff who works with our project manager who has the expertise to do this quickly. How many people are involved with this process? This is not, I've seen this stuff before. It is not a simple task, and it certainly needs a lot of hands. How many people are are a part of the organization? What are we looking at volunteer force-wise? We have seven people on staff. And that includes uh, a a warehouse person. We have a warehouse where Mm. we collect donations from designers, from manufacturers, retailers, and from the general public. And he manages that. But a staff of seven. And then we have 
over the year, we have hundreds of volunteers who come and help us with our work. And not only are we helping the families that we serve, we also help nonprofits with their interior design needs. Mm. So, for instance, Genesis Women's Shelter may have a children's area, and when the moms go in for their counseling, they have their children there so they can go there. That would be a project that Dwell with Dignity would do, is create an amazing, fun space for the kids to play in while their parents are in counseling. So we also work on projects like that, and we need a volunteer force for that as well. Where they're living, where they're working, you're really trying to make the whole experience better for them. Have you found that people are able to get better results out of the things that they're working on based on the environment that they work in? Is that a real thing? Oh, absolutely. I think that your work environment, just like your home environment, has a profound uh, relationship to what you're able to do in life. Talking about the interior design industry, you kind of mentioned it earlier. Is it a wasteful industry? In general, interior design is a wasteful industry in that trends come and go, in that retailers come up with collections that they do by typically maybe five collections in a year. Mm. And then two years later, that's you know, that's an old item that they're not selling anymore. Uh, sort of so, like fashion. Absolutely. Same thing even with retail. If you have a sofa on your uh, on your floor and you're selling that for a year, then after that year, you're going to bring in new items. So there is a lot of churn there. And then also interior design clients might, you might have someone who did a home 10 years ago and they're going to redo their home. So... Dwell with Dignity doesn't take any upholstered items from the general public because we want to make sure that all of our homes are, we're providing the best experience for our families and providing them with the dignity that uh, we need to provide them with. So we don't typically take upholstered items, but case goods, dressers, dressers are a huge need all the time. Mm. And we refurbish those. We have a studio, and we will paint them and sand them down and paint them and re, or, or re-sand them. We create artwork in our studio as well. We have artists who come in and help us with that. Our volunteers do crafts that turn into art that really make a big impact, impact in these homes. It's hard work, obviously, but it sounds like one of the more fun organizations that you could work for if you enjoy design and this kind of stuff. It sounds like it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Our Wednesday work nights at the studio fill up fast. You can go online to dwellwithdignity.org to sign up, and oftentimes they're filled up like that. Do people sometimes not understand the quality of furniture that they are receiving? Is that a thing? Because maybe you get something from a designer friend, and it's actually a very expensive, very nice piece of furniture, and the person is just like, whatever, it's a dresser, and there is kind of probably something there. Is that kind of a funny thing that might happen? That's a great point. So we have warehouse space, about 10,000 square feet of warehouse space, where we collect our donations throughout the year, and we get high-end items from showrooms and manufacturers, and then we get everything in between. 
That's exactly why we do a fundraiser called Thrift Studio every year. So if a designer gives me a sofa that's a $10,000 sofa, I'm not going to put that in a family home that is that that sofa is going to be too big, it's probably white, it's too highly handcrafted, and it's worth enough that if I sold that item, mm. I could buy 10, 12 sofas for that expense. Right. So continually throughout the year, we are kind of dividing up those really high-end items and we're putting that in a certain part of our warehouse and once a year we have a big event where designers come they're invited to participate by creating vignettes in a 10,000 square foot showroom space that's donated in the design district they take those high-end items and they put them in these amazing vignettes and then they also go to their vendors and usually get some more things or maybe they'll reupholster some things and they make these incredible beautiful rooms we have a big party and we sell everything at 75 percent off of retail so that's one of our biggest fundraisers and that's a way that i can take that ten thousand dollar sofa and turn that into more funds to help more families at that event do the designers get competitive yes. is, there, is there a is there a a healthy bit of uh, competition happening there between between the designers? There is a healthy bit of competition, especially on the day where they all go to the warehouse and they select the items that oh, they are okay. going to put in their vignette. <laughs> they like to get after it? There is some a lot of creative energy going on there. Nice. Yes. You may not know off the top of your head, do you know the highest priced item that you guys have dealt with where you've had to get rid of it and you maybe redo something with it? I believe that we at one time received a $20,000 table <laughs> from a very, very high-end showroom. Yes. And that got <laughs> sold. And that got sold for maybe somewhere around $6,000. And then you're able to do a lot. That's a lot of table. Right. And then we can buy, you know, we can buy our do. tables or we can help pay for our warehousing. Is it, do you guys have to kind of fight the idea of, especially when kids are involved, you want durability, not necessarily just good looks. So how do you guys kind of, how do you tackle that? We actually have rules and regulations for the designer as she goes through it to ensure that the items are also items that can be easily taken care of by the families. Mm. So if you're putting bedding on, you need to make sure that's something you can throw in the washing machine and the dryer. Right. So we're very cognizant of being able to take care of everything that we install in a family home. No dry clean only. No dry clean only. All right. Uh, if people want to be a part of this organization volunteer-wise, what's the best way for them to do that? Is to go to dwellwithdignity.org and go to the link, and they can see what kind of volunteer opportunities that we have. And then we use uh, a system where we send out emails, and uh, they can sign up on Sign Up Genius. Do you watch all the design television shows? You would think I, you would think so, but I don't. It's, I was going to say, it, for people that are in that industry, it's got to be a 50-50. Either you love it or you're like, no, I don't. I, that's my day. I don't want to do that when it's time to relax and just watch some TV. Yes, and I think a lot of our volunteers watch you know i would have to think that it's actually been really good for the organization because people might think i would love to try that helping out an organization like this is a great way to start figuring out how to do it or even if you're any good at it agreed
All right. You mentioned it earlier. Thrift Studio is happening on Wednesday, April 1st at 6 p.m. at the International at Turtle Creek. A big, huge event. Tickets, details are all available on the website, dwellwithdignity.org. I've been speaking with Lisa Robinson. She is their founder and board chair. It was great speaking with you. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.